We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us on the show today. Here on American Family Radio, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I know I mention it each and every day, but there's no way that all of you are already subscribed to the podcast. So we need 100% participation, and that's why I mention it every day. So go ahead and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Well, how do I subscribe to the podcast, Walker? Well, that's really a great question. Um, You can... uh, Go to whatever, wherever you listen to podcasts. So whether you have an Apple device, an Android device, uh, however you listen to podcasts, you can uh, type in the name of the show, The Core, and subs- click the subscribe button, and then it'll pop up in your podcast feed on your podcast app, whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. You can do so uh, on your mobile device, on your tablet. So that's how you subscribe to the podcast. And then if you want to download the American Family Radio app, you can, that's another way to listen. You can go to your app store, type in AFR or type in American Family Radio, click the download button, takes about a minute or two, and then the core podcast will be uploaded there on the app. And then lastly, we have our website, AFR.net. So you just go to your browser, type in AFR.net, and you'll come up on the website there. So we offer a plethora of options for you to listen to the core at your convenience, at I your, like your leisure. That's yeah. a good word. Plethora. <laughs> Heretofore, here never heard before. <laughs> oh, Heretofore, Trivia Friday. Here we are. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna like that. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get high fives from the from the professors after there the show. Go. There you go. Um, so moving into our scripture for the week, we're in a very familiar passage. Psalm chapter 23 is where we are this week. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and and, and and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, Psalm chapter 23. So that's our encouragement for the week. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. That should be our call. That should be our prayer this week in Psalm chapter 23. Well, moving into some of the content for the day, we're going to have on our good friend and my co-worker, Debbie Withnow, next segment to talk about AFA action and all the work going on there. That's what we've been focusing on on the radio network today is AFA action, and we're highlighting the different divisions within AFA action, all the great work that we're doing over at AFA action, and uh, it's we truly are doing a tremendous work over at AFA action. 
And I'm the, the CEO, for those who don't know, I'm the CEO of AFA Action. It's the governmental affairs affiliate of the American Family Association. Different entity, completely separate legal entity, uh, but uh, we partner together with AFA and work more in the political realm as a 501c4 nonprofit. So it's just a different uh, tax uh, status code. And the IRS, they got to make things complicated. Uh, so they break it down into all these letters. Uh, so that's what AFA Action is. And so we're a, a separate entity, but we work very closely with AFA on many of these uh, governmental affairs matters, uh, judicial nominations, and, of course, elections. We hope to to uh, educate voters on elections. So we do that through various means. So we'll have on Debbie to talk about that. But if you want to go ahead and donate to AFA Action, even before we have on Debbie to bring the sales pitch, we'll go ahead and give out that URL. That's afaaction.net, afaaction.net. Right there on the homepage, you can uh, see all the work that we're doing through AFA Action and click on the Donate Now button. So we need you to partner with us this day, this week, and support the work of AFA Action. We are truly, and I, I mean this genuinely, we're truly doing a lot of good work at AFA Action between the Voter Guide, the iVoter Guide, Center for Judicial Renewal. We're researching all these judicial candidates. We're even researching potential judges that the next administration could nominate. I mean, we're thinking ahead four or five, six years from now and doing the research so that should there be a DeSantis administration, a Trump administration 2.0, uh, whatever it may be, whatever administration it may be, we're already doing the research uh, so that we can have good constitutionalist, originalist judges on the bench around the country and on the Supreme Court, most importantly. And then uh, our governmental affairs division at AFA Action, uh, we're working around the clock on legislative items around the country. So uh, the Parental Rights and Education Bill in Florida, the uh, the Save Women's Sports Act in, uh, in, in Mississippi that passed last year, the 15-week abortion ban that's at the Supreme Court now was spearheaded by AFA Action in Mississippi. And so all these legislative items going on around the country, not just in Congress, but at the state level, we're working all on that uh, around the clock. So we, we uh, truly are doing a lot of good work over there. And, and we're doing it as a team. So we'll have on Debbie in a few minutes to talk more about AFA Action. One story I wanted to bring in is um, this is a story out of Reuters. And it's, it's talking about the amount of crude oil that's being released from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And the here's the headline, U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve drops to lowest level since 1987. So the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve hasn't been this low since 1987. So that's where we are uh, for the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And one of the leading causes of this is because the Biden administration continues to release thousands and millions, rather, of barrels from this strategic supply. And so if we want to look back at, well, number one, people say, well, what's the capacity of the strategic oil reserve? Well, the capacity is about a little over 700 million, 700 million barrels. So that's how much oil the strategic supply could hold should we have it at full capacity. So 714 million barrels is the capacity, and we are at 538 million barrels 
uh, right now. And, and there's some projections out there that if we continue bleeding the strategic oil reserve at the rate that we are now, that by 2028, we'll be at about 238 million barrels, which is well, well, well below its intended purposes. So that's just something to keep an eye on. And see, the problem here is, you say, well, what's the problem? Why do you bring that up? The problem here is, is when you use the Strategic Petroleum Reserve for political purposes, i.e. the Biden administration releasing from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, meanwhile, they're shutting down domestic production of oil, then you unnecessarily drain the strategic petroleum reserve and then should it should there come a time where we truly need the reserve well we're going to have much less on hand than we otherwise would have so why 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 drain the strategic reserve when you can increase domestic oil production and not have to pull from the reserve well the reason is because there's a war on oil and there's a war on energy, on fossil fuels, and it's headed up by the Biden administration. And so they don't like it. They don't like fossil fuels. They claim it, it's contributing to global warming or climate change, depending on what day of the week it is. Uh, so there's this war on oil. And overall, from a national security standpoint, this is not good for our country. It's not good for our country. And just to give, this, give you a little bit of perspective, the U.S. consumes... Uh, roughly 20 million barrels of oil on a daily basis. And so according to what we have in the strategic supply now, we could run the country for about a month on the reserves that we have now, even though we can't release it fast enough to get to the gas pumps. Uh, but nonetheless, just for the sake of comparison here, uh, we can run the country for about a month on the reserves that we have in place now. So uh, this is something just to keep an eye on. And it, it, it really is going to raise national security concerns if the Biden administration continues dipping into the strategic reserve because of their war on oil. All right. It's one thing to dip into it because we have a hurricane or a natural disaster or we're, we're you know, we're at war with Saudi Arabia, a major producer, our OPEC nation, a major producer of, of oil on the world stage. But uh, that's not the case. The problem here is that the Biden administration has launched a war on oil, and now they're releasing our strategic supply at the same time, which is a factor, a combination that is not good for the country. Well, one clip I wanted to play before we go to the break is this clip from Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky, who's actually up for re-election, I believe, today, uh, in the primary, that is. He's, he's running in the Republican primary in Kentucky Let's listen to Senate, uh, Congressman Thomas Massey from Kentucky talking about where is the EU and their money when it comes to this uh, Ukraine v. Russia dispute. My colleague in the Senate, Senator Rand Paul, also from Kentucky, made a good point. We needed an inspector general to know where this money is going. Before you write a blank check to one of the most corrupt governments in the world, there should be some oversight. $50 billion dollars is the amount we were spending in Afghanistan every year. And we had an inspector general there. There certainly needs to be one in Ukraine. But moreover, why, where are the Germans? Where are the British? Where are the French? Why is the United States paying for the defense of Europe? 
And why aren't we working on our own problems here at home? $54 billion, that's how much, if you take the $40 billion that was just passed in the House that 57 of us subjected to, and add that to the $14 billion that's already been spent since February 22nd of this year in Ukraine, that is more than we spend on roads and bridges on average in an entire year in the United States. So we're saying, be sensible about this, put America first, and ask the European partners to pay their share. So be sensible. That's what the representative says there. And and I've never suggested, and I don't know anyone else who suggested, that we shouldn't help Ukraine at all. I've never said that. I actually said in the early days of this, we need to do what we can, but that doesn't mean $50 billion. All right, that doesn't mean $50 billion. And just to put this in context, we didn't even spend $50 billion in Afghanistan in the first year. And we had our own ground forces there. We had our own infrastructure there. We had our own bases being built there. So there's a lot of manpower that went into Afghanistan year number one, and we didn't even spend anything close to $50 billion, uh, in Afghanistan in year number one. And that was a war that the U.S. was leading. We were leading that war. Uh, so to put this in perspective, look, $50 billion, I know in the trillions, when this government spends the kind of money they do, you say, well, that's just a drop in the bucket. Well, no, not really. $50 billion? is a massive sum of money of which I don't even know what Ukraine can do with that. Uh, nobody can really explain what on earth they're going to do with all of that money. So uh, should we help Ukraine? Yeah, you know, especially on the humanitarian front. But we don't need to spend $50 billion. That's for certain. We do not need to spend $50 billion. And better yet, uh, you got to have an inspector general over there. You know, we had an inspector general overseeing the funds being dispersed in Afghanistan and Iraq and every other foreign dispute and foreign conflict. Uh, where's the inspector general here? We need to know where the money's going, what's it being spent on, and there needs to be a, a bookkeeping going on. Uh, so there's a lot of questions that just aren't being answered. Congress is just willy-nilly passing these bills. By the way, I read the bill. Very vague. Very vague. It just says, you know, this department, Department of Justice, they get a couple hundred million Department of Defense, they get a couple billion over here. You know, CDC, yeah, they're in there. They're in the bill. CDC gets a couple billion over here. Very vague. No accountability as to where the money is going. So we need to know where the money is going, what it's being used for to make sure that the American taxpayer is not ripped off. AFA at the call. We'll be back in just a few minutes. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Mark described the Gadarean demoniac, the one who said, My name is Legion, for we are many, as living among the tombs, breaking free from shackles and chains, howling in the night, and cutting himself with stones. But Jesus cast the demons out of him, and when the townspeople saw him with Jesus, free, clothed and in his right mind, that is when they were afraid. If you've recently been freed by Jesus, don't be surprised if it makes your old friends uncomfortable. It's not you, it's them. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. 
Today's girls are experiencing a laundry list of difficulties that will shape their outlook on the world for a lifetime. If viewed without whole trust in God, these trying experiences can feel very overwhelming. There's good news, though. We are not the first humans to experience difficulty. In fact, Scripture is full of stories of hardship. In Isaiah, we read, They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Living in the hope of the Messiah, who we know to be our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we are called to do just this, to transform difficulty into goodness, to build resiliency. How can you aid your girl from feeling overwhelmed to becoming more resilient? We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Introducing AFA Streaming, a new online platform that hosts all AFA-produced video content, including documentaries, church curriculum, American Family Radio shows, and our Cultural Institute series. The Constitution only works in the atmosphere of Christianity. Critical race theory and intersectionality are new religious frameworks. The Christian must say, as Paul said to the Galatians, there is no new gospel. AFA Streaming is a vital step that we are taking to fulfill our vision to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. You'll find top-notch resources that address the issues of our day related to marriage, family, the sanctity of life, and many others. Start streaming today, streaming.afa.net. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us on the show today. Well, I've got an interesting poll, and then I've got an interesting guest. Interesting in a good way. Debbie Wethnow is in studio with us. Debbie? Walker, good to be here. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. You know, you probably are thinking, interesting is an interesting word to describe me coming on his show. I was but, waiting to see what you, you said. You yeah. know, I like to use interesting language to describe people. So. Well, I think you're an interesting host. Thank you so much. The the, the compliment is in kind. Well, hey, um, on this poll, Debbie, and I've got you on, you're president of iVoterGuide. You're a vice president at AFA Action, which is AFA Action's apparent ministry of the iVoterGuide division. But before I talk about the work that you're doing in iVoterGuide and the elections and the importance here and why we're going to have you on the show, came across this NBC poll in March 2022 was when it was released, but it talks about the top issues that voters care about. And surprisingly, it's not necessarily what the headlines are saying. You know, the headlines can say a lot of things about what's important to the people uh, because the media has to decide which stories to cover. But Debbie, here were some of the top issues. Uh, Cost of living, number one issue, 22% of voters. That was their first choice on the uh, uh, multi-choice pick here. Then uh, jobs in the economy, which ties into cost of living as well, but that was a separate line item. 18% of voters said that was their top priority. Uh, Voting rights and election integrity, that was the number three. And then, of course, abortions, number four, with the Supreme Court leak, so on and so forth, even though uh, that uh, this was run before that that happened. 
immigration and the southern border, and then, of course, climate change, which we don't really know what that is, but that comes in at number six. Nonetheless, there's a lot of things that voters care about. And so tell us a little bit about the iVoter Guide and how you cover the issues. Well, iVoter Guide's goal is really to give voters information, the truth about the candidates that are on their ballot. So we look at a broad spectrum of issues, including immigration, including life, including the economy, health care, just all, almost any issue you can think of, we, we, we consider that, factor that in. We ask the candidate to answer questions about that issue and what their positions are. For example, um, your exceptions to abortion. Mm-hmm. We're also asking about their values because iVoterGuide's trying to cover those issues, but also get at what's important to that candidate. What, mm-hmm. you know, what, what drives them? Because that will drive, even if you don't know the issue, if you know how, what their worldview is or how they think, yeah. that will help you predict. So that's really what iVoterGuide's trying to do. Yeah, and iVoterGuide has about 60 researchers yep. uh, and, and, and hundreds of panelists, right? Uh, I, I bet we're going to cross 1,000 panelists wow. this year. But last cycle, we had 650. So, yeah. Yeah, so iVoterGuide came under the EFA Action umbrella just a couple months ago, back in early 2022, late 2021. And uh, we've been working hand-in-hand with iVoterGuide for years now. So this is not a new relationship. We just changed it up a little bit as far as how it's structured. Uh, but when you support AFA Action, you support iVoterGuide, you support our other our governmental affairs division, our judicial research division as well. Uh, but I voted guys running 60 uh, researchers, hundreds heading up to 1,000 panelists. When we get through the midterms, we'll hit over 1,000. Uh, and so your your donation to AFA Action uh, goes to pay for the 60 researchers because we do have volunteer panelists, thankfully. Yes. We don't have to pay 1,000 panelists. <laughs> uh, but, Debbie, we do have to pay researchers. We do. And even uh, even these researchers, iVoterGuide's a Christian ministry, and we all view ourselves as called to this thing. So mm. we don't do it for the money. Yes. We do it for an audience of one. That mm. is our motivation. So it is not a um, financially lucrative position, shall sure. I say. But And most of the people are uh, homeschool moms, retired parent people, that just love our country, love Jesus, love America, and they want to expose the truth about the candidates on their ballot. Mm-hmm. So they're doing it, and it's very seasonal if you think about it. It's not something that happens, you know, nine to five Monday through Friday. Sure, there's a we're in crunch time right now where they're putting in uh, way over the normal hours, but then we get a little break during the you know when there's no election going on. But you know we do need to pay them, so yeah, their support's uh, real important. Absolutely. So afaaction.net's our website. Afaaction.net, the five hundred one c four governmental affairs affiliate of AFA and uh, your your tax uh, your your gift is not tax deductible that's an important note uh, some people get confused uh, but uh, uh, AFA action is a tax exempt organization uh, meaning we're not a for-profit company uh, but the taxes are not tax deductible so that's important just to note and that's because AFA action is a C4 and they weigh in in the political realm and we run the voter guide and we meddle around in the politics if you will uh, and for the good of our country. So afaaction.net is where you can go to donate. afaaction.net is where you can go to donate. And when you donate, you're helping to run the entire iVoterGuide operation that Debbie uh, heads up each week. Well, Debbie, tell us about the 2022 midterms. We got a couple primaries today, but just give us this overarching view of all the primaries and how many families we expect to use the voter guide this cycle. Uh, the primaries are, I would say, of primary importance in the election cycle because that's really, uh, for the most part, when we get the the true choice. If you live in a district that's or a state that's all red or a, a district that's red, your true choice does not happen in November. It happens in the primaries. But so few people vote then. 
Hmm. Typically, only 20% of people, of registered voters, will vote in a primary. And only 65% of people are registered. So the opportunity to have the best impact happens in the primary. But it's also where it's harder to find information, which is why I think iVoterGuide can can scratch that itch. Hmm. Because we are getting that information in the hands of voters so you can determine which person to vote for. We even had a, a user email us and said something like, thank you and bless you. I've never voted in the primary before because I didn't know who to vote for, but now I can. Yes. So we're equipping you, not telling you who to vote for, but giving you the information so you can decide for yourself. I encourage you to go to iVoterGuide.com. Check it out. Hmm. If you live in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Kentucky, Idaho, Oregon, your, your primaries are today. There's still 35 more primaries that are going to happen before your primary season is up. If you find it helpful to you, one, you can share it with other people, but two, support the work. Mm-hmm. Go to afaaction.net and support yes. it. We do have a phone number if you want to get that to call in. It's 877-616-2396. So either afaaction.net to give online or 877-616-2396. And it would, that helps pay for the research that we do and yes. the facilitating of the panel meetings and, and just educating people. And if it's helpful to you, even just a small gift um, if you could give monthly, that's appreciated even more. So. That's right. Yeah, and we do offer all these great resources and tools uh, free of charge to to the public. So you can go to our website, afaaction.net. You can view the voter guide. Uh, you can view uh, when we release research on judicial candidates or judicial uh, nominees, rather. All this, this, uh, all these tools and resources, we do all the work on, and we release it for the public for your use and for the benefit of the body of Christ and the future of our country. So we, we do all this. Uh, without a uh, charge to the public. And so if you want to support our work, we're encouraging you to do that today. This is our AFA Action Emphasis Day here on the network. You can go to afaaction.net. It's right there on the homepage. You can click Donate Now. And we are going to send you a special uh, resource, a special tool called the Christian Handbook for Civic Engagement. And it just goes through the founding of our country, why our system is set up the way it is, and then it gets into what God's Word says about Christian engagement in civics. And it is in there. It is in the Bible. And the role of Christians to be involved in government, to be involved in government. And there's there's scriptural references there. So that's all in this Christian handbook for civic engagement. So when you donate today to AFA Action, uh, we'll get this Christian handbook uh, for civic engagement in the mail to you. So you can go to afaaction.net, or we do have a call center set up, which is our our, our call center that we use during share and through all of our, our events. So we know these folks that are answering the phones. 877-616-2396 is the number. 877-616-2396 is the number to call in. Uh, Debbie, last word on I Voter God, AFA Action, the future of our country. Uh, I think our country is on a precipice. Which mm. direction do we want to go? And if you want your voice heard, you're blessed to live in America at this time in this age, and you need to participate. But you need to participate with information. And yes. iVoter Guide is there. AFA Action is there. AFA mm. is there to give you good information, to equip you, to educate you. But you've got to do your part, Yeah. and God will work through you. Absolutely. So go to afaaction.net. Not only donate, but use the tools. Use the resources for yourself. And then if you benefit from from them, which we promise you will, uh, then go ahead and support our work and help keep our operations going over at AFA Action. Uh, Debbie Wethnow, thanks for coming on the show. It's a pleasure, always. All right. Debbie Wethnow, president of iVoter Guide Division, a division of AFA Action and a VP over at AFA Action as well. And afaaction.net is the URL, afaaction.net, or you can call this number and donate 
We're ready to take your call, ready to take your donation. 877-616-2396. And in exchange for your gift, we'll send you this great resource. It's a booklet called The Christian Handbook for Civic Engagement. We'll send that your way uh, in response to your gift. And anybody who can donate monthly, uh, we greatly appreciate that. That helps us for budgeting purposes over at AFA Action. Uh, so if you can give five bucks, ten bucks, fifteen bucks a month, uh, go ahead and do that at our website afaaction.net. Well, jumping into a couple of the other stories that I wanted to bring up today, the uh, we we have a very radical uh, opponent in our country, and you can see the response to the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade, and uh, uh, the uh, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito uh, had to be moved to an undisclosed location because of threats against him. And his family, and so this has been a big ordeal. Um, but but the, the the fundamental question that many people have a hard time answering, and, and some people don't have a hard time answering at all. They just tell you, uh, they just tell you point blank how they feel. Is okay. So you think abortion should be accepted? You think abortion should be legal in this country? Well, up until what point? Up until what point? And we talked about Governor Northam a couple of years ago in his video, uh, where he said, you know, I think. You know, babies should be born, and then we'll talk to the mom and see what we want to do with the baby. I'm a very cold-hearted, very wicked approach to how to handle the innocent among us, our babies. Well, came across this clip that I just couldn't believe, but this was a reporter asking someone in the public. They were out on the sidewalk, I believe, in Washington, D.C., outside of the Supreme Court, uh, but asking them, you know, what's the stopping point here? Uh, When do you think abortion should be not accepted in this country clip for let's listen to this do you believe in abortion after birth would you would you support that i believe in whatever the woman wants to choose to do that's her choice at any point of the child's life at any point of the lady's life that's her choice to kill another person's body it's gonna always be her choice even after the baby's born it's always her choice so if they're two years old it's always her choice i can kill my two-year-old it's a woman's right to choose to kill their child at any it's point. A woman's right to choose. Well, there you have it. If that's not chilling, I don't know what is. If that's not chilling, I don't know what is. And and, and as Christians, we should be unequivocal. We should be unequivocal, and many Christians are, which is why we've gotten to this point where Roe v. Wade is in the balance and could be overturned in weeks. Uh, but we should be unequivocal that life begins at conception, and it should be protected thereafter. Uh, but some in the public, I mean, this is, this is absolutely astonishing. This is absolutely astonishing, but it shows how spiritual this is. Because remember the Clinton days, safe, legal, and rare. That was the talking point. We were all told, look, abortion is, is rarely needed, but when it is needed, It'll be safe, legal, and rare. And by the way, there's no such thing as a safe abortion. That's an oxymoron. There's no such thing as a safe abortion because why? A child's life is being ended anytime an abortion takes place. But they've gone, the Democrats have gone from safe, legal, and rare to this should be available all the way up until birth. And then this, this lady just said, even after birth, it should be an option to commit homicide and end the life of a child in the name of a woman's right uh, to choose. So that's where that's where the other side is in this country. 
And that's why we need you involved. We need to be voting. We need to be doing everything within our power uh, to ensure that babies are saved. And this, this uh, we're on the precipice, as Debbie said, of, of, of really good things happening in this country are really bad things happening in this country. Uh, but think about the, the weight of this Supreme Court opinion. Should the, uh, should the final opinion match the Alito opinion that was leaked, which was a draft opinion, so things could change. But if the final opinion matches even, even very slightly the Alito draft opinion, think about the milestone that this is for our country. And think about the spiritual ramifications. I mean, uh, Philip Draghi and I, who was, has also been on the network today, who also works with AFA Action, we were talking about this at dinner last night. Think about the spiritual ramifications of America confessing before God that we've had it wrong on abortion. Not just you and I, but the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, confessing before God that we've had it wrong on abortion for 45-plus years and that we're now recognizing God's created order, God's design, and God's value for life. The spiritual ramifications of that is massive. It's absolutely uh, massive. So, But we wouldn't be here, and this is, this is where I want to end this, we wouldn't be here had Christians sat on the sidelines and done nothing to help restore this country. Because as I've said over and over again, if Christians are not engaged, if Christians are not electing people of character into public office, well, who does that leave electing people? Well, it leaves the unbelievers. It leaves the people who don't agree with our worldview in control of the country. So the the question about whether Christians should be involved in government, in civics, in politics, and all of the surrounding issues and institutions Absolutely, 100% Christians should be involved. They must be involved if we expect righteous laws to be enacted and if we expect God-honoring laws and policies to be enacted. So get up, get off the bench, get involved. Visit afaaction.net. Go ahead and donate to our work. Help us keep the work going so we continue to be salt and light in this country. Walker Wildman, AFA at the core, be back in just a few minutes. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at 
AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge. Defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Davis. After a school in Massachusetts had allegedly planned to reject the opening of a school because of its biblical beliefs, the district now agreed to allow the school to open. Well, the private school was developed by the Vida Real Church to provide families with education with Christian values. Pacific Justice Institute is an advocate for quality biblical education as so many educational programs today are being plagued by radical ideologies. Take charge of your child's education. Download PJI's free resources on how to start a church homeschool co-op at pji.org. PJI provides legal representation without charge. Get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. Well, last segment we had on Debbie Wethnow, president of iVoter Guide and also a VP over at AFA Action, uh, to talk about the work of AFA Action, all the, the couple divisions that we have going on, and the fight to to reclaim this country and to to elect people who agree with us on the issues to public office uh, to ensure that uh, judicial nominees that are placed on the federal courts are put there and that they agree with, with our philosophy of government, our philosophy and our philosophy of our founding fathers, and most importantly, that they agree with Scripture on, uh, on that which God addresses, which is a plethora of issues that pertain to life, and, and godliness. So uh, all that work is taking place at AFA Action. So we want you to, to call in today and support the work of AFA Action uh, by calling 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or you can go to afa.net right there on the homepage. I'm sorry, afaaction.net afaaction.net right there on the homepage and click donate now to support the work. And we do have a resource that we're going to send you for those who donate today. And it's called the Christian handbook for civic engagement. It was put together by our team here. And it, 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 it talks about the, the founding of our country, the reason our country was founded uh, based on the principles and the system that was set up, the system of government. And then it also delves pretty extensively into God's word, into scripture 
and what God's Word has to say about civic engagement. All of that's tied up there in the Christian Handbook for Civic Engagement. So we'll send that out to you um, in exchange for your gift to um, American Family Association Action. Uh, so you can do you can donate by going to afaaction.net. Well, I wanted to transition to a few other topics for the show today. Um, I covered the poll out of NBC talking about the issues that the American people care about. And I'll tell you what, um, listen, listen to the, 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 the list of issues here. And this is in order that voters said that, you know, this is a priority for me. This is a priority for you. Um, cost of living was course number one with inflation and this disastrous economy, uh, that we have going on under the Biden administration. Jobs in the economy comes in at number two. So, Cost of living and jobs in the economy are broken down into two categories, voting rights and election integrity, abortion, immigration, and the situation at the border. That comes in at number five. And then climate change comes in at number six. Number seven is war between Russia and Ukraine. What this tells me, what this poll tells me, is that the media narrative, when I say the media narrative, let me be specific. The narratives that are developed by the mainstream media news conglomerates in this country, i.e. NBC, ABC, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, CNBC, so on and so forth. These main uh, media conglomerates, Washington Post, New York Times. So there's about 15 to 20 of these major media conglomerates that that really shape the narrative and shape the news cycle in this country. What this poll tells me is that they are surely but slowly losing their grip and their ability to control the narrative in this country. And what leads me to that conclusion is because listen to what comes in at number seven, not number three, not number one, Listen to come what comes in at number seven. War between Russia and Ukraine comes in at number seven on the issues that voters care about the most. Listen to what comes in at number nine. The coronavirus. COVID-19 comes in at number nine. Garnering 2% of the voters' attention. War between Russia and Ukraine garnering 7% of voters' attention. You compare that to how much time, how many minutes, that these media conglomerates have been spending pounding their, their news desk about Russia, 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 Putin, 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 and Ukraine and Zelensky and the war in Ukraine. You factor that up. This is astonishing. You would think Russia and Ukraine would be at the top of the list. The number one issue voters care about is Russia and Ukraine. So the reality is is that that, that, that just because the megaphones and the ones screaming the loudest are saying that we should all be concerned about Ukraine, 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 that's not making its way to the voter. It's just not. It's not converting over to the voter to make the voter change their, their their view and their attention on the issues that they should care about. So this is actually pretty encouraging uh, that, that, that the people of this country 
uh, typically are are not being swayed by the major media conglomerates. So that's out of NBC News. Well, moving on to a few other a few other uh, clips. Uh, I wanted to touch on this baby formula shortage because that's been affecting a lot of people, a lot of families, and uh, really didn't start getting a lot of attention until we started covering it on the show last week and other outlets began discussing this. And now, you know, the other uh, media outlets are starting to pick up on it and cover it. But the FDA finally broke their silence. I mean, this silence has been astonishing. I've never seen anything like this. The FDA shut down the Sturgis, Michigan plant, which, by the way, I ran the numbers. It, uh, the Sturgis, Michigan Abbott facility that produces baby formula accounts for 40% of America's domestic supply. So 40% of America's domestic supply of baby formula of baby formula comes out of the Sturgis, Michigan Abbott facility, which is unbelievable that that much comes out of that facility. But that's the number. So the FDA shut down this Sturgis, Michigan facility in February. All right, February. We're in May, going on June. They shut down the facility in February because four children, four children had a bacterial infection. Two of them, it was fatal, which is a tragedy and should garner attention and investigation, and we should know where that bacteria came from, so on and so forth. But right now, Abbott has said over and over again that they've run their investigation, the FDA's run their investigation, and the bacteria that was in the formula was not in the facility anywhere to be found. And so there's not even definitive evidence that this bacteria came from the facility that's been shut down since February and constitutes 40% of America's baby supply, uh, baby formula supply. And so let's listen to this. This is just, just to give you as much information as we can get and that we've gotten to date. This is the FDA commissioner on with uh, Stephanopoulos recently, clip six. Let's listen. Abbott is saying it's going to take 10 weeks to get their factory in Sturgis, Michigan, which had to shut down, back up and running. Anything you can do to help them move that along more quickly? We are working really closely with Abbott, and I expect that in a very short period of time, we're going to have an announcement about the path forward. I think we've figured out what to do. Abbott's recently indicated that as short as in two weeks, they can uh, be in action and begin to do their part in getting supply back on the shelves. Of course, it takes longer to get in full motion. And George, I want to point out one of the examples that you gave in your show of an infant who has special needs. That is really of critical importance to us at FDA. We're looking at case by case to make sure that no infants go without the formula they need. We recognize it's difficult for parents and may take some time, but we'll get there in each individual case. That plant in Sturgis, Michigan was making a number of special formulas that are really life-saving for infants, and so we have a whole team that's doing nothing but working on making sure that that formula can get out even from that plant when it's going to be life-saving. Some have suggested invoking the Defense Production Act to get more manufacturers up and running, speed this along. I don't think we need the Defense Production Act. I think the manufacturers are ready to go, and they're going to increase their production. In fact, they already have. Importantly, there's been more formula bought, about 10% more in the last month than in the month before the recall. So there is formula out there. It's just not in the right place at the right time. So this issue of the supply chain 
and how it gets disrupted when a major manufacturer has to shut down a plant, you know, is a real lesson for all of us that we're working on uh, rectifying, but it is taking just basic work to get the supply chain right. All right, so a couple actually pretty useful uh, uh, details that came from that interview, by the way. Uh, he, he, he said, which I told you this on Monday, we don't need the Defense Production Act. We do not need the Defense Production Act. The FDA commissioner agrees. We do not need the F- Defense Production Act. All right, this is not a this is not a wartime issue, not a wartime problem. We don't need the Defense Production Act. The answer to everything is not more government. All right, the answer to this is actually less government. Hey, let's get the FDA out of this. All right, and if we want the FDA, invo- FDA involved, let's expedite this. There's no there's no logical explanation as to why you shut down a facility in February. Which, by the way, Abbott was heavily, heavily pressured to shut the thing down. They can say, well, Abbott voluntarily recalled the products and Abbott voluntarily shut down the facility. But if you read more into it, the Department of Justice actually got involved here. The Department of Justice filed suit against Abbott Corporation in this facility, along with the FDA and all their inspectors showing up at the facility. So this was a heavy-handed approach by the Biden administration on this Abbott facility. And uh, no one has been able to explain, not even the FDA commissioner in this interview, which you notice they never really ask him the tough questions. They never really ask him the tough questions. If he was on this show, I would have said, explain to me why you shut the facility down in February and the facility is still not open. And there may be a plausible explanation. I'm not saying there's not. But I'm saying we haven't been given the plausible explanation. Why does a facility need to be shut down for four to five months over a bacterial issue that happened in one location within a massive facility? And nobody's been able to explain that. But I can tell you the timeline here, and this is thankfully because the mainstream outlets are finally starting to report on this. But the FDA commissioner was also on uh, NBC's Today Show with uh, anchor Savannah Guthrie. The uh, whistleblower at the facility, at the Abbott facility, filed the first report in September of 2021. Or there was there was a first report for, uh, that put into the FDA about a sick child, sick baby, whose infection was allegedly linked to the baby formula produced in the plant in Sturgis, Michigan. A detailed whistleblower report about alleged safety lapses at the plant came out in October, so about a month later. But listen to this. The FDA did not show up at the plant until January. So you've got a whistleblower whistleblower complaint submitted to the FDA in October. The FDA doesn't show up with their inspectors until January. And then the next month, a month later, they shut the Michigan facility down, and it's been shut down ever uh, since then. So th- today is the most detailed information we've gotten, but there's still a lot of unanswered questions. And uh, one common sense, you know, analysis of this is we should never have 40% of any of our supply chain tied up in one facility in this country. And I don't, I don't care whether we're talking about tennis shoes, baby formula, or vehicles, or anything. It, is, it doesn't matter. We're talking about soccer balls. 
Why, why would you have 40% of America's supply tied up in one facility in Sturgis, Michigan? I mean, to me, that's a problem at the corporate level. I'm not talking about government here. That's a problem at the corporate level. Uh, to have 40% of your production facility, uh, for your production capacity tied up in one plant in Sturgis, Michigan, and this raises the, the concern about supply chain redundancy. And um, this gets into the whole issue that we've talked about extensively on the show, and that is how secure is our supply chain? We got much of it tied up in China. Much of it tied up in China. China's uh, uh, much of our pharmaceutical supply chain, some of our critical life-saving medications come through the, the, the Chinese supply chain. How smart is that? Is that smart? No, it's absolutely not smart. And so this should cause our leaders, and I'm not talking just government, I'm talking private sector too, this should cause America's corporate leaders to make some serious changes to where we're not wholly reliant on foreign countries or on one plant in this country uh, to provide life-saving and a life-sustaining formula, medicine, so on and so forth. So maybe this will be a wake-up call to uh, the baby formula industry and other industries to diversify their supply chain. This is not rocket science, folks. It's not rocket science. Um, these massive multi-billion dollar corporations have entire divisions within their corporations and their sole job is to make sure that operations continue in any circumstance. So we've got to diversify our supply chain, rely less on our adversaries, Russia, China, etc. And we've got to diversify our domestic supply chain because you've got cyber warfare going on. You got all kind of factors going on in this country. So we got to diversify. We got to be able to feed our babies. That's one of the most basic functions of a society is to be able to nourish and take care of the most vulnerable among us. AFA at the core, Walker Wildman will be back next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.